Our kids have said to us since we moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live. Greetings, humans. You have entered the command zone. Your destination for all aspects of Elder Dragon Highlander. Enjoy your stay. Drum roll for the music, music. Welcome to the Command Zone, everybody. I'm your host, Jimmy Wong. How's it? It's Josh Lee Quiet. You're getting more like uh, Michael Buffer, who does all the, <laughs> let's get ready let's... to Command Zone. <laughs> yeah, let's get ready. Uh, didn't he patent that, and now he's just yeah. a billionaire because yeah, of it? Yeah, he trademarked it. And, and he's the one that still announces it, right, when he goes in the ring and the big... Yeah, he does. You know, the funny thing is his brother, Bruce uh-huh. Buffer, does the Bruce UFC. Buffer. Oh, really? Yeah, except for Bruce came up with the worst... <laughs> like version of Let's Get Ready Rumble because Let's Let's Get Ready Rumble is great. pretty good and yeah. famous. Here's Bruce Buffers for the UFC. It's time. That's it. That's it. It's time. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's how we should open the show from now on. So Wait, his, unless that's trademarked. His brother came up with Let's Get Ready to Rumble. He literally invented that phrase yeah. as like, and Bruce, the best he could come up with it was It's time. <laughs> so. Sorry, Bruce, if you listen to the show, which I'm assuming that you do, you got to come up with a better line. Yeah. Just uh, doesn't work on a t-shirt. Let's get ready to rumble works yeah, on a t-shirt. That's awesome. You can't and, wear a t-shirt that says, it's time. Yeah. And also, let's get ready to rumble has like a passage through it. Like, let's go. Like, it, it amps up to that yeah. last word. And they're like, rumble. Like, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> it's time. Like, it's for what? Worst. You could see the UFC was like, let's get that ready to rumble guy. Yeah, He's like, yeah. nah, I'm busy with boxing. And they're like... Let's get his brother. <laughs> or his brother sent in his resume like, I can do it I too, can do guys. It, guys. I got basically the same voice. What if it was like, it's time to tumble. It's, t- <laughs> it's time to tumble. Everyone's like, yay. This is the fanciest UFC fight ever. All right. So <laughs> so that has nothing to do with what we're going to talk about today because we're going back to the Color Wheel series. Woo. Black Woo-hoo. is up today. Uh, is there we, our last? Oh, no. We haven't done no, blue. No, we haven't done blue. blue we always say, seem to save blue for last. And we did this for the uh, the color, the yeah. top 10 colors as well. because blue's hard. Blue is hard. Um, it's going to be probably the longest of all the Color Wheels. Black, actually, I had a lot of fun uh, writing this because I didn't realize how awesome black is. Yeah. You know, when we, I was going over the notes and we were talking about it, it actually made me want to play black more than I do now. Oh, really? Nice. Yeah, because I realized, wow, wow, black does a lot of stuff. Yeah. So, and it's very, um, I think, like from a flavor standpoint too, it's very concrete, and it's like, oh, I get why black can do this. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas it, some things may feel like it's more of like red. I feel like has always been hard for R and D a little more because now they're getting into like, oh, red is also passionate and about love and stuff. Before it was just like goblins and attack them to the face, right, right, and burn them. Yeah, so black has a lot more uh, uh, deepness to it, and that's why I lo- like Liliana's storyline as well is my uh, favorite of the five. Yeah, Lily's pretty cool. Super necro, literally and figuratively. (laughs) I Uh, always play a necromancer or the equivalent in every uh, role-playing game, so I should love black already. Like a warlock or whatever. I mean, I did like black, but I was like, oh, I need to love black. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So before we get into that, the the Community Cup is over. It's over. You, You have already done it. We've done it. I don't know if I've won or not. 
I'm assuming that you have. Yeah, I was actually talking anonymously to an R&D member today, and they were like, you know, we're just there to have fun. You guys are probably better at Modo than we are. And I'm like, I don't know if I'm better at <laughs> Magic Online than you <laughs> I'm are. I'm sure Yol Larson is. Yeah, Yol Larson, uh, all the streamers that do it for oh, a yeah, living. Oh, yeah, Kenji, yeah. Doc. Yeah. You guys are going to have to lean on them. You're you're good. You'll be fine. I know. I mean, I mean, really excited. Uh, as in, like, I, I, mean, you I were was excited. super excited. Yeah. Now I'm bummed that it's yeah. over. When I said you will be fine, I meant you were fine. Yeah, exactly. I was fine. I performed well. <laughs> Question, mark? <laughs> Question mark? I'm Ron Burgundy. <laughs> I'm Ron Burgundy. Um, yeah, so Community Cup was over. I, I believe you can still watch all the highlights and the uh, replay of it all on twitch.tv slash magic. If you can't tell, we record this show early. Yeah. So, But when you listen to it, the Community Cup will have already happened, but we're in this nice little window where, for us, it hasn't happened yet. Yeah, but we're, you know, we're theorizing. We're looking into the future, which is not something Black does. <laughs> to that's try true. and that's bring what, it back yeah. <laughs> good that's segue a, that's a blue segue. a blue segment yeah so if you guys have listened to our other color wheel episodes uh it's pretty simple we just break down a color and we talk about its use in edh how to have the most fun with it and sort of talk about the philosophy of what it's about and go into cards that we think really represent and talk about the allied and enemy colors as well and sort of wrap it all up with how to best use it in edh and like you know commanders that we want to use in black you know, I always around. start by saying, too, that even if you're not super interested in the Vorthosi yeah. aspects of why a color works the way it works, it actually does help your gameplay because it's just impossible, especially in our format, to know every card that exists in the history of Magic and every card that your opponent may have or may use against you. But if you know the color wheel pretty well, you know what's possible, yeah. then you can play around cards and effects, even though you don't know about the specific cards and effects. Yeah, and you just may know have a better idea of what someone's game plan is. For yep. instance, playing against a mono black deck, they're going to want to use their graveyard in some way. Like it's, it's almost a guarantee that hey, they're discarding a giant creature in their graveyard. Why would they ever do that? They're like, gonna bring it back out. Yeah, um, for free or cheap. Actually, I think mono black is. Is it the strongest of the mono? I mean, maybe mono yeah, blue. I believe that mono black is the strongest of the mono colors. And, and EDH Rec, when Donald Miner was on, yeah. that did bear out. Uh, mono black was the most popular of the mono colors. Yeah. Um, so I, I, we're going to talk about this, but black, just as far as what its toolbox looks like, is probably bigger than any of the other colors. Yeah, it's pretty expansive. It has access to all of the stuff, and it, it's also focused on some of the more important stuff, like removal. Right. Um. And we see that across all the formats. So um, if you guys don't know, Magic the Gathering was designed and created by a guy named Richard Garfield. And he specifically, one of the big things he wanted to do was have five colors. And had they, they would all interact differently and they'd all represent something as well. And it's the color wheel, color pie. Um, the colors are organized on the back of a card such that the, the colors next to uh, the color are have a related philosophy. And the colors across the way from it in the pentagonal shape have an opposite philosophy. So, yeah, we call these the allied colors and yeah. the enemy colors. Yeah, and you can also get shards and wedges and all that stuff uh, and the mana sources <laughs> while you're at it. Um, so, uh, hi, Wedge. Hi, Wedge. The, do you still listen to Wedge? Please tell me you do. Probably not. Probably. <laughs> He's a busy guy. Yeah, exactly. Wedge. He's busy trying to help us make Havlands happen. Yeah, thanks, Wedge, for your support. I'm assuming that at this point we have... Uh, oh, by the way, if you for all the people tweeting at us, thank you. It's been awesome. Hey, we got really good response to Havlands. Yeah, you know, I think the next step is to for everybody who tweeted at us to start tweeting it at like Wedge 
and maybe uh, the professor, Marshall. maybe Marshall. <laughs> just let's just get it out there. I think we can make it happen. Yeah, exactly. Get let put Randy Bueller, Rich Hagen, Tim Willoughby, uh, Riley Knight, all the commentators. Put them on the line. Simon Gertzen, let them know. Have lands. You know, I'm gonna also assume that. I mean, let me rephrase that. Good job at the Community (laughs) Cup, Jimmy, in getting Havilands out there to the public. Because we did play Battle for Zendikar, as soon as I cracked open that booster pack and saw a Havland in there, I raised it above my head (laughs) and looked directly at the camera and went, look at this Havland. You know, now if you open a booster pack with a Havland in it, you're going to have to do that. I have to do that. Yeah, I'm submitting myself to it. (laughs) We will see in retrospect what ends up happening. I think we're doing a sealed one of the days, so there's a very high chance. I think chance. you got a sealed and a draft. Yeah, yeah, there's a very good chance I will open it. And then I don't know what I'll do. I don't even know if coverage will catch it. Do you just see like everyone looking at their computers and I stand up out of frame and yell something? The, like, the camera just has a way of finding you, Jimmy Wong. I'm pretty <laughs> sure it'll happen. Yeah, it does end up happening. Um, <laughs> back again to the color wheel. Um, so the nice thing, like we were talking about earlier, knowing how to play around the color or what's in the color is consistent because Wizards R&D wants to make sure that they adhere to the color wheel. Because if they sort of did not want to design with this in mind and just like threw it out the window, the game would be a total mess. There would be very little structure. It'd be, cr- it'd be really hard to draft too, I think. I think the color wheel, and Morrow has said this, and we've said this on the other episodes, it's really the defining characteristic of what makes magic what it is. Yeah. Is just the way the colors work. The fact that each color has its own separate philosophy, it gives this ga- the game like this feel that is very authentic, very deep, and also it's one of those games where it takes a few seconds to learn, but a lifetime to master, and that's one of the reasons that it's like that. Yeah, and five is a really good number too. I think uh, I think that's that is the right number for this kind of game. Um, it's interesting because four to five is also the best in the multiplayer format. There is because you know we were talking about this the other night. Four player games sometimes end up being two v two. And five-player games just has that nice extra bit of one extra person in the four-person group to make it five, and it's, it's much more balanced. So Well, and the dynamic of it is is very good, whereas you start getting six and seven, and then it's too complex. Yeah. Uh, so it's that nice little wheelhouse, yeah. color wheelhouse. And having odd that, numbers is, is very important. Right. People keep being like, add purple as a color. I'm like, what? No. <laughs> Keep it to five. Then again, you get into the 3v3 aspect in multiplayer and, and sort of similar problems, I think, when you're designing. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway, so uh, Mark Rosewater is the current uh, head designer for uh, R&D at Wizards, and he's written a ton of articles on these colors. So um, we pulled a lot of our information from this and also just from like what EDH staples are in the format and what are really powerful for our game. Uh, and so we're just skimming the surface here. There's a lot more to talk about, and Mar- Mark Rosewater actually revisited all his original articles on the color wheel. So we'll include those links as well in the show notes. You guys can read all of those. And my favorite part of those is when he uh, chooses what characters – in real life and fiction and stuff right. are, are those right. characters. So let's He also talk. has the Drive to Work podcast where yes. he talks about the color wheel extensively. Um, so that's another thing to check out. You know, I heard something crazy about that podcast to, again, get off topic slightly. Uh, if he, he, He'll he let himself have like three to four mistakes, but if he makes more than that, he just starts the whole thing over. Like he just scraps it? He and scraps then it and then... starts over. He doesn't that's even go in and yet because he just wants to hit upload, I guess, when he gets to wherever. You know, if he had an Eli... Yeah. He wouldn't have to be doing that because we never do that. Yep. What if his car could edit it for him as he drove? Like, you made a mistake, sir. Like, oh, crap, you're right. Someday, Jimmy. Someday. Someday. Anyway, um, let's talk about the history of black. Mark Roswell says, the each color's view of the world is heavily influenced by the thing it values most. And the thing that black values most above anything else 
is just straight hardcore power. Uh, power. Yeah, power. They're realists. They're individualists. They want control. They they want to thrive and you know beat the system. No restrictions. I think at any cost is sort of a mm-hmm. key defining factor of black because they will do whatever they can uh, to get something done because they they're not afraid to risk it all sort of thing. They're not afraid to do do the things that you might shy away from. Sort of like the Sith, you know. Yeah, they're very Sith. Like they're you know something Marl likes to say is that they're amoral, not immoral. Yes. So we think of black as evil. But evil is really immoral. Mm-hmm. Evil has a connotation, good and evil. An immoral act is something where you know something's wrong, but you do it anyway. In fact, maybe you do it because yeah. it's wrong. Amoral means that you don't actually believe in right and wrong. So you think that anything you can do, you're allowed to do. Yeah. Sort of you get to uh, exploit the system in a lot of ways. It's interesting because... Black is one of my favorite colors, I realize. I'm always trying to think if I'm Teamer or Grixis, and I think I'm actually more weighted towards Grixis because it does have Timmy, Spike, and Johnny aspects to it. For sure. Yeah. Um, like, for instance, uh, you can recur a creature in the graveyard and put it into under, under the battlefield under your control. That feels very Timmy, you know? But that's also filled with combos and stuff, and that's very Johnny. And then the Spike mentality of at any cost winning, you know, like... I'm going to win no matter what. I'm going to do what it takes. It's right. super spike. So it's cool. It's got um, it's got a little bit of everything in it, and we're going to keep talking about this throughout the episode. But Black, because it is willing to sacrifice and do whatever it needs to do to get stuff done, generally does not have restrictions. And in EDH, especially with a higher life total and a longer game, Black has, I think, just a higher power level in general. Well, I, Black can sort of do everything. So we talk about what each color is like what they're best at, like green's best at ramp and blue's mm-hmm. best at card draw and red's best at damage and aggro. And, you know, this gets down to what's black best at. Black is actually has its fingers in a lot of different pies because... Color black, pies? Yeah. Black's <laughs> philosophy is that I can do that, but the cost may be a little bit higher for me. Mm-hmm. So I might have to pay life or yeah. I might have to sacrifice a creature. But... I, if I am willing to do those things, then I can get access to a wider range of powers. Yeah. So black sort of like, I can do everything, but everything might have a downside. You know, that's one of the things about black is they don't find anything morally repugnant. Mm-hmm. So like white might be like, listen, I'm not raising any zombies up from the dead. Yeah. You know, I'm not going to just kill somebody because <laughs> or that's I'm against the sacrifice law. sacrifice my own guy to do this thing. Yeah, like, I'm not going to... Yeah. Sa- yeah, in fact, that's a really good example. What's White's philosophy about sacrificing? White's willing to sacrifice itself to help others. Yeah. Well, Black's willing to sacrifice others to help itself. <laughs> Until you combine the two colors and then you just have some wonky, crazy creatures. Then you got to forget about it. Forget about it, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so like, like we said, Black achieves its goals and of achieving power through very self-centered means. Um, yeah, there's nothing taboo or too far for black. And in the history, they have in the history of magic, they have the best singular removal in the game with like go for the throat. In limited, it's always kill X creature. Yeah, um, Doomblade is the classic. Doomblade, yeah. Um, and black is also happy to spend any cost to do it. And they also like there's like great card draw spells in black with read the bones, sign and blood. There's usually also, the uh, card draw in black deals damage to you. Yeah, yeah. You can think of it as like. Think of it as like the organ trade, not Oregon, organ trade. So like trading your kidney, something we find morally repugnant, at least here in the U.S., right. as far as like 
selling your kidney to another person for money. But black would be totally willing to do that. Whereas white would be like, well, I'll give it to somebody I know or a yeah. family member, you yeah. know, which is like what we like to do in the U.S. And any developed nation basically doesn't allow organ trade. But anyway, that philosophy of like, no, I'll cut off my left finger for, you know, a little bit of knowledge or I'll sell my soul for this, yeah. this specific cell. Lilian is the perfect example spell. of that. She'll yeah. do a demonic pact. And yeah. it may result in her dying. And She'll sell miserably. her soul to four different demons yeah. to get the power she wants. Hey, if they're buying, she's selling. Yep. <laughs> um, so I always like to look back at uh, Unlimited or uh, Alpha Beta and see what the car- the first black cards were. And uh, Animate Dead, to the surprise of no one, is an original black card, which is basically it's like this weird enchantment that when it comes in the battlefield, you can enchant a creature card out of the graveyard and then... Uh, if the if an anime data ever leaves and you have to sacrifice the creature, but you get to grab a creature from the graveyard, and that's this has been around since Alpha. These were the one of the first cards that we ever had arguments about in my playgroup because oh, the, the wording on it's so bad in the original version. Well, and yeah. one of the early ways that we would play it is you would draw your first card per for turn and not play a land. Mm-hmm. Then you go to your discard phase. You have eight cards. You discard a huge creature. Then on turn one, you play a land. On turn two, you play a land. And then you play Animate Dead and get the huge creature back. And early in Magic, it was unclear. People would be like, no, it never died. Right. You know, it doesn't matter. The way the wording worked on the cards, if you read Alpha and Beta cards, they're crazy. And so we would have huge arguments. I'd be like, no, it's in the graveyard. I can animate it. Yes. No, it's Animate Dead. It never died. Like, you can't (laughs) do that. You know, and we'd have these huge arguments. Turns out I was right, but... Man, that must have felt so broken back in the day. Oh, yeah, because you just get some, you know, quote-unquote huge. Huge back then was like a 5-5, but, yeah. you know, creature out on turn two. Well, you get like Lord of the Pit because well, that was an alpha, right? Yeah, that's a bad one, though, because it makes you sacrifice a creature every upkeep. That's true. That's you get like Craw Worm or something because we didn't have a ton of expensive cards. I mean, people don't know, don't remember or know, but, you know, back in the day, nobody was buying booster boxes of this stuff. You were buying like six packs. Yeah. At yeah. most. Yeah. Or like one of those starter pack things. Yeah, exactly. Um, Dark Ritual is another key card, and it's another thing that black can do, which is ramp. Uh, one black, add black, black, black to your mana pool uh, at instant speed. Classic. And something Classic. they've gone away from a little bit. Red does this more now yeah. than black, but black does ramp in other ways, too. Yeah, like they'll black will double your mana in a lot of ways or get extra use out of swamps. Um, Demonic Tutor. It's been around since the beginning. Uh, you can. It's a tutor. Black is also very powerful because it's able to search stuff up yeah black uh, is very surgical in the way that it card draws surgical extraction also, yeah it it and the way it discards which we'll talk about in a minute but it likes to rather than just draw a ton of cards which is what blue does black's gonna be like no i want to draw this specific card yeah yeah there's also drain life uh which black takes life from you and gives it to itself so black has the ability to suck life out and also gain life, which would be like, wait, black can't do that. It's like, no, black definitely can steal some life. Uh, Mind Twist. Oh, God, this go. card is brutal. X and black target player discards X cards at random. Usually you just do their whole hand. Just with a couple of dark rituals that used to be incredibly broken on oh, turn yeah. one. Um, yeah, it's brutal. Black has used to be early on in Magic that it would make you discard cards at random. And now we've moved more towards Thoughtseize. Mm-hmm. And like I was saying, things that literally say, well, let me look at your hand. Oh, that one. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty broken. And there's also stuff like Pestilence. So black has the ability to ping everyone for damage as well. Yeah, Pestilence is an enchantment. You For every black you pay, yeah. it does one damage to each creer, creature and each player. 
This is actually probably one of the most powerful EDH cards. It's very powerful, kind of underutilized, at least in our playgroup. The, the enchantment does go away if there are no creatures on the board. That's mm-hmm. kind of a downside, but the effect is very profound, especially since it hits players. Yeah. Yeah, definitely hits players as well as every creature. You can pretty much kill most everything. In any limited environment, it's the most bonkers broken thing ever. Yeah, exactly. All you have to do is just get... It's kind of like in chess where if you're one pawn ahead, then you're fine. In Pestilence, if you're one life ahead, then you, you you're got it. Fine. Yep. Yeah, you're totally fine. Um, and so it's funny because these are the cards that are all in alpha. And look at the range of stuff it can do. You can bring stuff out of the graveyard. You can ramp. You can search cards from your library. You can gain life. You can make people discard cards. You can mass board wipe. And you can do this all in black. Like, try try doing all these things with red. Red would be, like, you play a hell giant and you can burn someone out. <laughs> That's it. And, like, yeah, and maybe, like, Wheel of Fortune or something. But, like, outside of that, black clearly from the beginning has already had elements of all of it. And I think it's really easy to design for. Not really easy, but more easy to design for because you know black is able to do these things. And it's just about finding the downsides when it does it. So what black has evolved to mean today, um, we've talked about this already, unconditional removal. It's a staple in limited. If black doesn't have one or two just destroy target creature or destroy target non-black creature, then the set is not going to function as well. Yeah, and the way that this differentiates itself is that, like, red will have a spell that does a certain amount of damage to a creature, Mm -hmm. uh, and then white will probably these days have an enchantment that exiles a creature, but... Or locks them down and stops them from attacking. Yeah, but the creature comes back if the enchantment goes away, Mm -hmm. and then black will have just a destroy target creature or destroy target non-black creature. Yeah. That's usual. Um, Black did have terror in the original alpha oh, also. Right. Terror, so yeah. it has been good at this since the beginning. It's just we've upped the cost now usually. Yeah, <laughs> nothing is cheap to do. Yeah, to... it's not two mana anymore generally. It's like five or six. Um, And if it's less than that, then it's like Hero's Downfall where it's one black black, yep. which makes it a little harder to cast. But they added well. Planeswalkers to that one as an option. So it's yeah. sort of like in some ways more powerful. Yep. Uh, black is also the, uh, the key one-sided board wipes. So Decree of Pain uh, in Garrick's Wake. Wait, Decree of Pain is all creatures. Oh, right? you're right. I know I'm the sorry. one you're thinking about. Uh, yeah, I'm thinking of the um, it's um, Overwhelming Forces, actually. Yes, exactly. Yeah, that one from Which P3K. is the one-sided Decree of Pain, basically. One-sided Decree of Pain, and you draw cards, yeah. It's actually interesting because Decree of Pain is very good, even if you're wrecking your own board, because you get to recover from it more than anyone else. Of course, Black is like, I don't care. I'll lose all my creatures and draw cards for them because I don't yeah. care about my creatures. I just want to be strong. Yeah, and you can cycle the Decree of Pain, too. That's why I listed it. Uh, Overwhelming Forces is the board wipe I was thinking of. It's it's very high mana cost, like in Garrick's Wake, but they're one-sided board wipes, which you don't see too often. Yeah, Overwhelming Forces, you choose a player, destroys all creatures that player controls, and then you draw a card for each of those. Yep. In Garrick's Wake, just says, destroy all creatures and planeswalkers you don't control. Yeah. That is just incredibly strong. In fact, uh, again, another card we don't see a lot in our playgroup, but we should. I mean, it's nine mana, but it's totally it nine mana. It's all Cyclonic the time. Rift. Yeah, you know, basically, it's that power level. Yeah, uh, Death Touch is also something that Black definitely has a lot of these days. Um, sometimes Wizards likes to move away from keywords. I think Hexproof is slowly going away, but Death Touch is something that they really like to include in most sets. And it really hits the flavor aspect of Black because. It's the type of thing that most of the other colors would find morally repugnant, right? Mm-hmm. Like if you're in a duel, like if it's two knights and they're fighting, there's like this chivalry honor thing going on. Well, if one of them's black, they're like, no, I'll poison my sword. That way I only have to nick you and I win. Why yeah. the heck? You know, but and you everybody can be else a thousand is... times bigger than me and I'll still kill you. Yeah. It's like, who's the guy? It's Oberyn Martell when he fought the mountain in right. Game of Thrones. Um, but most, 
you know, civilized society would look down on that and say, like, well, that's not the honorable way to win. Black's like, I don't care. I won. Yeah, I don't care about what is honor. What is honor worth? What does that buy me? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Uh, Black has definitely kept up with the discard effects as well, but they've evolved into things like Myojin of Night's Reach, which is an extremely powerful card. Uh, Liliana of the Veil, where everyone, all, a bunch of the Lilianas do this, where both players have to discard a card, mm-hmm. uh, or all players do. Sadistic Hypnotist, um, and of course, Thought Seize, Inquisition of Kozilek, and all those cards as those well. Those are those that, pinpoint. Yeah, pinpoint discard one. Mm-hmm. Um, they actually also do a, a different form of discard. Uh, I guess it's closer to Mill, like Surgical Extraction, which, uh-huh. we, which actually pulls the cards out of their library that you name. Yeah. Uh, not as useful in EDH because it's always trying to find a certain one, like a bunch of copies of one card. But I think it is still useful, especially if you. Well, if you know, know they have a win condition or an infinite combo, you know, like or if I was a profit Kiki of crew fix or yeah. something, you might be able to pull out. Or there's always going to be some like high impact card you know you can take out, like the card they're most likely to tutor for. Yeah. I'm not saying those are great cards, but I do think they're usable. Uh, speaking of mill, it's not on the list, but that's another thing that yeah. Black does. Although they've moved away from the pure mill more towards the surgical extraction stuff. But it's definitely in the color wheel for black. Speaking of them being able to do everything. Yeah. Sacrifice matters. Uh, edict effects. So shieldred, attrition, where you sacrifice a creature to kill someone else. Fleshbag marauder, everyone has to sack a creature. Like yep. these are all so powerful. Yeah. And uh, is it, it's actually named after, you know, we call them edict effects because they're named after a card. Diabolic edict. Yes. Yeah. So. From Tempest. I which believe. is a way to get around Hexproof. It's very strong. Very, very strong against Voltron. Yeah. Um, yeah, this is one of the reasons I'd say that Black is so strong in EDH is because it has not only the the way to reach out and kill a creature, but it can also take care of the problematic creatures with things like, yeah, you know, Edict Effects. Yeah, that, it's really powerful, the fact that you can get around. That's why I love Cigar so much is because Edict Effects are f- very powerful. And if you have someone that says, like, no, you can't make me do that. It's, it's interesting because it's like ways to get around killing stuff. Is Ways to get around doing something is always an important thing in EDH. Yep. Like, oh, I did this, and I made them do this, but in a different convoluted way. But it was actually more effective because they had protection against all the normal, regular ways that, that they might expect or whatever. Well, and Sigarda is also hexproof. So yeah. instead, a hexproof creature is strong as it is, like Narset, very strong. But then one of the weaknesses of that is edict effects. Yeah, very And Sigarda says, oh, one of the weak weaknesses of hexproof i don't have it yep i don't even need to have it give me a break give me a break man give me a break all right let's talk about some strengths and weaknesses so of course to make the color wheel work each color has to be balanced evenly and you might be thinking like whoa if black can do everything then what the heck why how is this not the most overpowered color in the game it's blue uh <laughs> just kidding <laughs> because not every color can be blue that's why. not every yeah everyone is aspiring to be blue at the end of the day i suppose even jimmy the red sometimes is like i would love to just get a little is it in me well notice the one thing we didn't say black could do is counterspell yeah counterspell um uh so the strengths for black we've covered most of these already they can do most everything in magic they can tutor stuff up unconditionally into your hand without revealing it to your opponent uh there's lots of control there and there's ramp and they can attack players from a lot of different angles, whether you're getting the other hand, you're doing some stuff with their graveyard, you're getting stuff back from their graveyard, you're doing unconditional removal. But as a result, black is actually the most isolated of colors. And you'll notice that a lot of the cards we talk about have three or four black pips in them. So it's like five black, black, black. And that's really hard to cast if you're a deck that's splashing black. You can't just throw in uh, Micaeus, you know, and be like, yeah, sure, no problem, because it's a really hard spell to cast. Yeah, really good point, Uh Black is the most isolated of colors, and it's also the one that is the most affinity for 
other black mm-hmm. cards. So so many of black's effects say do this for every swamp you have. In fact, a lot of its ramp is like every swamp now taps for an extra black. Yeah. It doesn't make every land you have tap for an extra black. So what's that make you want to do? It makes you want to include more black and less of the other colors. That's why mono black is so powerful and so strong because black naturally wants to be very devoted to black. Like a lot of their cards, you know, have to do with how many pips you've got, how many swamps you've got, you know, that kind of stuff. Yep, definitely like it. Uh, Black also kind of has a limited ability to kill artifacts and enchantments. Well, enchantments, it just can't do much about it it all. It's only a few cards that can do anything. Uh, Artifacts also has a very big problem with, and those are two things that are like very powerful in our format. Yeah, and a lot of colors have a little bit of trouble doing this in one way or the other. It's actually interesting because the cards are so powerful, uh, or you can have really powerful artifacts and enchantments. It's it's interesting that all the colors have a little bit of time struggling with this, usually, um, or, or they'll do it in different ways. Like, blue will be really good at bouncing stuff, but it may not permanently remove it ever. Well, white and green, they destroy those things, but yeah. red, red. <laughs> is even worse than black, maybe, at yeah. getting rid of that stuff. For enchantments, specifically, yeah. yeah. Red's good at artifacts. Um Black is also the most likely to just kill itself. Uh, Demonic Pact comes to mind. (laughs) Yeah, it's true. It's, you know, black, another personality trait is just arrogance. Yeah. I think. And so a lot of this comes from blacks like, I can take it. I can take a couple of damage to get a couple of extra cards. Like, I'm willing to pay that price. I can take it. I'm powerful enough. And you can get yourself into trouble with things like Necropotence. Yeah, uh, we've seen that like, you know, that's a very powerful card, very strong card. It lets you pay life to draw cards, but it doesn't let you draw cards naturally anymore. And, you know, we've been in games with people where they've got Necropotence out, but after a little while, they're like, I need to draw the card that gets, gets rid of, rid of ne- it. Yeah, Necropotence. Like, and if they don't, they're like, I'm down to 13. Yeah, I had a ton of cards, but, you know, now somebody can just, you know, offhanded kill me. Yeah. That's why Marchese is great with blacks because you want your life total to be lower than your opponents so you can really get the maximum benefit of the throne. Yeah, just think about that. You want your life total to be low. Yeah. But that's definitely how black operates. Yep. Fortunately, again, commander, 40 life, which means paying life for stuff is not as significant. But if you're pure black and that's all you're doing, you're going to find yourself pretty close to death pretty quickly. All right. Allied and enemy colors time. So we've actually talked about most of these already, except for one. We have not talked uh, about Demir, um, which is interesting. Uh, but uh, if you guys, again, look at the back of a magic card, you'll see that the enemy pairs are the colors across the color wheel from black. There's two of them. There's Golgari with green and black and Orzhov, and then the allied pairs are next to black. So Demir, black and blue, and Rakdos, black and red. And if you guys have listened to the other episodes, it should be making a lot more sense why these uh, colors are allied or enemies and how what they share in common and what they don't share in common. So to go over Golgari again, green and black, sort of life versus death, um, it's all about reanimation effects, but it's also all about like sort of this like the tainted forest kind of idea. Mm-hmm. Um, and it uh, we talked about this too. It grows vertically, so green and black can make tokens, but usually it's it's trying to focus <clears throat> on making like one creature or one thing do a lot of stuff. Like Gerard Gagari Lich Lord is one of those great cards that you it, sacrifice a creature and you have a, a few different effects. And that's, yeah, yeah, that's definitely because green um, understands the life and death cycle. It's also like I think green is on board with the sort of survival of the fittest. In fact, that's one of their cards. Yeah. But black black believes in that also. It believes be the strongest, and then you're allowed to do whatever you want. And yep. green has that because green doesn't sit there and go like, 
is the lion allowed to eat the antelope? <laughs> no, because it's survival of the fittest. That's the yeah. way the circle of life works and the food chain works, and Black can get on board with that philosophy. Black certainly respects that. What Black doesn't like about Green is sort of the idea that uh, nature is the nature is the one that has the biggest power, that, you know, like, sometimes it's just the order. You know, you can't survive if another bigger beast is chasing you down. That you, Maybe it's your time to go. Black's like, no, 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 I'm going to find a way out of this. Yeah, I'm going to make a deal with a demon <laughs> to come and fight on my side and yeah it might cost me like a piece of my soul or like one of my limbs but whatever i'll survive yeah you know and i'm gonna look totally rad doing it so screw you green <laughs> and black is willing to sort of cavort with like the forces of evil the zombies mm-hmm. uh of the world which green certainly would not like um things like vampires and and those dark creatures that yeah. aren't of nature yeah although they do kind of both share the life from death kind of aspect where green has like this creature dies find another one and replace it you know the the evolutionary leap idea right black is more like yeah they're coming back don't don't worry they're coming back they're gonna be a little messed up on the other side but they're coming back <laughs> Um, Orzhov, white and black, very iconic pairing. It is not as simple as good and evil. There can be evil white characters as well, guys. Uh, black also focuses on religion a lot, so there are a lot of clerics uh, shared between the two. Yeah, um, it's, it's an interesting fact, but then when you think about it, if you think of white as like pure good religion, where yeah. people are, where it's based on faith and compassion, well, black is like a cult, mm-hmm. where it's based on like taking the cult leader. And making them powerful, and he's taking the power and brainwashing all the people under him. Well, that's very black. Yeah. Sounds like a lot of fun to me. Um, <laughs> because white cares about morality, it doesn't mean that black cares about immorality. So black, again, they are amoral. And I think white black has a really interesting grasp on that because it's like selfless versus selfish. Both are sort of focused on the group where white's all about the good of the group. And black is for, like, again, we said, like, they use the group for themselves instead of they sacrifice themselves for the group. So... uh Orzhov is all about like long game stuff, extorting, slowly winning the game over a grandier thing. Uh, like Ghost Council of Orzhava is a really good example of that. Mm-hmm. It can keep flickering back in and draining you for life each time while sacrificing a creature to do so. Um, Tesa is like, yo, don't even touch this. Get away from me. Uh, I'm going to tap these guys and exile you. Uh, and Pontiff of Blight. God, that card. I keep losing to that card, Josh. That, <laughs> well, that was in cube, but yeah, it it makes basically all your creatures have extort. So now yeah. every spell that you cast, you just tack on like a little tax that, that everybody's got to pay a little bit of life and you gain life like yeah. every time you cast a spell. Yeah. It's incredibly powerful, um, especially but it's sneaky powerful. Yeah, because yeah. everyone's like, oh, I just lose one life, but you don't notice that the guy just gained five, you know, or right. four or whatever. Um We've talked about, again, if you go to the uh, Color Wheel White episode and the Color Wheel Green episode, we talk a lot more in-depth about these enemy pairs, so we're not going to go too in-depth about them right now. Um, allied pairs, though. Demir is the one that we've never talked about before. It's black and blue. And, and these two are very aligned. Yeah. Um, you know, Much more so than, than um, I think, even black and red. Yeah, I, mean, I, would black s- and blue uh, I don't know if this is official. I mean, I don't work for Wizards, but I would say that black gets blue more than it gets any other color. Yeah. Maybe not the opposite, but... Blue, yeah, it's because they're both they they both have this relentless pursuit of something. You they're know, both blue is like very knowledge. cunning. Yeah, cunning. They like to play around the edges. They like to trick you and deceive you to to achieve their own means. They appreciate knowledge. Yeah, and they definitely have this sort of like, well, it's kind of your fault for not catching on, isn't it? Yeah, attitude. You know, they're, they're both you know cold and calculating. You know. Black's a little bit more cutthroat. Yeah. But blue is willing to do what it takes, you know, if that makes logical sense to sort of get things done. Um, 
Yeah, I think blue can find the justification for what black does more than any other color. Like if black does something crazy to get something done, white will be like, that was completely wrong. Wrong, yeah. Morally. Oh my gosh, morally. Yeah. And blue's like, nice. Good blue's one. like, well, what was the result? Yeah. Blue might not like the calculated result because I'm not willing to pay that price, but they wouldn't necessarily question the morality of it. Yeah, exactly. Um, black wants to control the world and subvert it, and blue wants to change the world. So you can tell already how similar these are. And like, no wonder Spikes love blue-black control. Like, no wonder that's always been an archetype. It's the brain archetype. It's the, uh, you know, when you play blue-black control, what you're saying is that I'm going to make more, there's going to be more decision points in a game, and that will favor the better player over the course of a game because yeah. the more decisions there are, the more likely you are to make more mistakes than me. Yep, yep. So it's always, like, called to, you know, very good players, yeah, it's because it takes its time. It's very sneaky and subtle, and it it plays for like those half percentage points yeah. in winning and stuff. It it's really focused on all those little decision points. That's a really good point. Uh, Counterspell is also great because Black now has access to sort of that one thing it didn't before. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love that they they copy creatures uh, like uh, Demir Doppelganger is one of my favorite cards of all time, and they they have card draw. Sometimes not at like a negative uh, effect to black, like losing life because it's got blue in there. And they also can steal cards. So, I mean, you can tell these two are so closely aligned. Um, Ashiok Nightmare Weaver is a really good common day, modern day example of what blue black is trying to do, where they'll exile cards off the top of your library and, and then eventually play them. Play them, yeah. yeah. But it's also still like milling you slowly and really playing a controlly thing where it's like I might I might grab the best card out of your deck right now with Ashley. Yeah. You never know. Yeah, true. I do. Th- I think Una's clearly and easily the single best to mirror. Oh my gosh. Yeah, and she and it's doing. So powerful. Yeah, and it's doing uh, mill plus making a bunch of tokens. But you know, a lot of times you mill somebody out and then kill somebody else with the tokens. Yeah. Um, and Lazav is another like really strong. Demir general which is also has to do with mill mm-hmm. um so mill is a very strong strategy with a blue black in edh yeah because that's just one thing they do really well yep and finally we have rakdos as the second allied pair and uh no rules college ice cream for breakfast <laughs> do whatever we want yeah when you put red who has no filter basically it just yeah. you know it just goes with their emotion and then Flooring you put it, it with black who has no morality not not immoral but actually just doesn't believe in morality then you get yeah whatever you want to do whenever you want to do it might yeah. totally 100% like if you can you can yep there's like hellbent with the the mechanic or like unleash mm-hmm. is a uh, is a rakdos mechanic where it's like i don't want to block i'm just going to fly at them as hard as i can with all this sweep these sweet plus one plus encounters or whatever you know well it's a really interesting thing right where as rakdos red takes away blacks thinking ahead mm-hmm. it takes away its future planning a little bit whereas blue gives it more of that and takes away a little bit of its um what's the word spontaneity yeah so t- all rakdos is is spontaneity really and yeah. all demir is is calculation so and put them together and you get marchesa oh <laughs> uh, yeah uh olivia voldaren is a great rakdos commander same with just rakdos lord of riots that card's awesome. You know, it's interesting because Olivia, you would think, would be blue because she turns things into vampires and then steals, steals them. them. Yeah. But red is actually really good at stealing things. Mm-hmm. You don't think of it that way because it usually steals until end of turn. But that's not how black operates. Black thinks about the future. Yeah. So black is subverting that like threaten effect to be like, no, I turn it into something evil and then I take it for good. Yep. 
Yep. That pretty much colors uh, covers colors. Haha. The uh, the allied and enemy pairs. Uh, shards and wedges. Again, we will do a series, I guess, on all the shards and wedges because those are usually the most common commanders. At least I've seen. I I, I think I see three color commanders more than anything else. Other, we have to ask Donald if that's the truth. Yeah, I think it was because when we went down the list, you know, like a like Loro was number one, and yeah. I think like there was a mono black. I forget who it was, but that that was still like fourth or fifth. Yeah. So I, I I would feel safe in saying that three color commanders are the most common. So yeah, so we'll definitely talk about these shards and wedges for uh, what black and of every color. I wonder how we'll maybe we'll just do one shard at a time or one wedge at a time. Maybe we'll do all the wedges then all the shards because oh, there's boy. five of each. It's a heck of an episode. We'll get into it later. Maybe we won't do that. Maybe we'll do it <laughs> it's some other way. All right, let's move on to our next uh, topic for color wheel: How to best use black in EDH. Black's one of the best colors to pair with other ones. Um, you know, like no qualms about what they're doing. Don't care how they're going to get it done. It's great. It feels like how I build EDH decks. Like, you know what? I'm going to put all this stuff in there because I got to get this thing I want to do. I want to <laughs> do it. I'm going to do it no matter what. Yeah, black is can fill in almost any gap, too. Yeah. So whatever other color or two colors you have with it, it can sort of fill in the weak points. So if you're pairing it with white, it black can bring with it the card draw and the mana ramp and yeah. the tutoring. You know, And the tutoring is, the very, is obviously the biggest thing. And I know some people don't like tutors, but... Black, that's one of the biggest, best things for EDH that Black brings, brings to the table is just being able to go find specific cards in your deck. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Um, yep. Edict Effects, too, is just so good to pair with any color. Uh, and Black has some of the most important things. They have board wipes. You know, yeah. outside of white, Black is definitely right up there with some of the best board wipes in the game. I mean, they're. I think they're clearly second. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's, I mean, yeah. There's, yeah. there's no one else. Yeah, I mean, every, you know, red has some, blue has some mass bounce stuff. They're um, all very condi- green has very little, but yeah, damnation, black sun zenith, toxic deluge, our number you one just, card. Toxic deluge is actually as good as any uh, board wipe that white has. Yeah, yeah, it's it, probably no, it's the single best board wipe in the game. Yeah, it might. Be, I don't know. Until you're like dinging yourself for 15 to get rid of a giant whatever. <laughs> but it does get rid of uh, indestructible threats. Yep. So and it's... for only three mana, no matter what, which yeah. is why I like it. Yeah, it's, um, it's, it's very good. Yeah. So uh, green and black gives us some great strategies with popping out tokens and like using them to sacrifice them and stuff. Just recursion in general, recursion. just playing with your graveyard, yeah. bringing things back, getting engines going that way. Black's very good at engines, right? Because... It'll do sacrifice something, bring it back, sacrifice it again, bring it back. That's already that kind of loop it Black's very good at. Yeah, especially with like Micaiah's The Unhallowed. Yeah, and then you add things like Dictate of Erebos, and now suddenly I sacrifice a creature, bring it back, but everybody else has to sacrifice a creature because of the Dictate of Erebos or the Grave Pact. Yeah, Black's very good at getting sort of these repetitious loops going that aren't necessarily infinite, but they just you know, are oppressive to the table to the point where nobody can keep a creature on the board except you. Yeah, persist, I think, is a big black mechanic as well. Um, Rakdos is definitely the better aggro pairing compared to Boros, I think. Uh, I'd much rather play a Rakdos deck than the Boros one in EDH. I think that's true, actually, because in, in Boros, in EDH, there's no way to sort of keep that gas going with card draw and mm-hmm. you know you have trouble with ramping but again black can bring those things to the table for you so that red can bring the bulk of the aggression although black yeah. does have some but black can cover you in those other areas of like removing key blockers and giving you enough card draw to keep going yeah definitely um 
I would, if you're playing black, Recursion and Reanimation, Grave Betrayal, a card like Living Death, these are all cards that you can play that really, if you play them correctly, and, and like Living Death, I think, has to be one of the most powerful cards in the game. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. It, it just brings all things from the graveyard back into play. And you can really stack it in your favor, you know. You just can have a Grey Merchant of- with that is often enough to just win the game. Yeah. It's just you just put like 20 pips out. Grey Merchant says uh, deal damage to each opponent equal to the amount of your devotion to black, and then yeah. you gain that much life. So you can – we've seen tons of games where somebody just does sort of a, a living uh, end type of effect and yeah. then just wipes everybody off the table. Yeah, it's great seeing like a uh, also a card like um, Kakusho being looped a lot yeah it's just one of those things that just is slowly going to win you the game because you're gaining a bunch more life than everyone is than than each individual opponent is losing and it's just another thing maybe we didn't touch on earlier um but black's very good at hitting all other of your opponents at the same time yeah yeah just sort of indiscriminately doing two damage to everybody and you gain you know two you gain that amount of life or something like that yep um, again, removal, board wipes. We have the best, uh, some of the best single target unconditional removal at instant speed in black. Uh, we also have damnation. It sucks how expensive it is. I know. It's a real bummer. But it's as, a black board not wipe. Not CMC, but has a dollar of price. Yeah, 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 exactly. It's not like a 10 You don't need it. Wipe. You don't need it. No, I mean, with, I would I would rather ran, run in Garrick's Wake, you know. Yeah, Toxic Deluge, Black Sun Zenith. You can get a hold of these other cards. Now, if you have damnation, that's great. And if you want to really optimize your deck and you'll care about the dollar amount then that's fine but you don't Otherwise need you just pick damnation. up languish i guess yeah. <laughs> the funny thing i would say about the pinpoint single target removal is that black's very good at it but in our format because it's just destruction based it's inherently a little bit weaker mm-hmm. than you know white really has path to exile swords to plowshare which it's funny because white ends up being in edh maybe only better at pinpoint removal than black yeah um just because those cards affect a lot of the cards that would you know indestructible is just a thing a lot of people make their threats indestructible so um but if you're running the ones like um like uh what do we heroes downfall yeah which kills a creature or a planeswalker now you've got versatility in there it's i think it's therefore it's more worth it but nobody's gonna run doomblade no I, i've seen people do it and i'm always just like you're lucky you've had the target Although, I'm, I mean, there's always going to be a target for the most part. But is it the target you really need to get yeah. rid of? Yeah, and do you really want to throw it to their graveyard? <laughs> they have yeah. a million ways of getting it back. Yeah, that's true, because Exile also gets away around graveyard recursion, another reason why Path to Exile and Swords are so good. Yeah, um, and of course, once again, Tutors. That's, whether you like it or not, Black, it, one of its greatest strengths is getting that Demonic Tutor in there, getting that Vampiric Tutor, getting any of the Tutors that let you search for a lot of cards. I mean, I would say it's the single best thing it does for the purposes of EDH. Yeah. Some people would completely argue the opposite, too, which is funny. Well, I think it's hard to argue that that's the best thing it does now. Some people would argue that that's not good for the format. Yeah. Which I can understand, but I think even Sheldon would say that's the most powerful thing that it does. Definitely. Okay, next section, cards you might not think of. Um, Mind Slash, which is just a discard spell. I think really any discard spell... It's one of those things kind of like uh, land destruction that people kind of shy away from. And it makes sense. It, it can feel very mean and targeted if one person just has to get rid of their hand. And they've been sitting there and they can't wait to play their cool cards. They're like, their mana screwed and they're holding seven spells and you make them discard seven or whatever. It's like, oh boy, that's, that's brutal. <laughs> yeah, so, but I do think that in our format, so often 
there's a moment in time in the game where somebody is just holding an obscene amount of cards. Yeah. And in those cases, you're totally justified in taking as many of them out of your out of their hand as you can. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's sort of like the spirit of the format is like maybe you don't do that to somebody on, you know, an early turn when they're not doing anything broken and they just happen to have six cards in their yeah, hand. Yeah, do it when you know they're about to play. If it, they untap, they're going to do their win condition or whatever. I mean, do it whenever. I'm not telling people how to play the game. I'm just saying if your question is under what circumstances somebody going to get really mad or not. Yeah. There you go. There you go. Very much. Um, the, what's the next one? Necrolo- necrologia. Logia. Logia. Yeah. An instant speed draw spell. Um, yeah, it says cast Necrologia only during your end step. That's kind of weird. As it's an really adi- bizarre. As an additional cost to cast Necrologia, pay X life, and it says draw X cards. Draw X cards. You can draw forty. You can draw thirty nine cards if you can cast this with that full life and EDH. Yeah, you'd be nuts to do it, but you could. You could totally do it. Um, yeah, the fact that it sort of is available at whatever amount you want is yeah. good. The fact that you can only cast it during your end step is kind of a downside. Yeah, it's right before your cleanup set, too, notably. So it's like this weird card. But, I mean, if you can get around this, the effect is clearly very powerful. Mm-hmm. Like a reliquary tower makes this very nice. Um, there's Cannibalize, one in the black for a sorcery. Choose two target creatures compl- controlled by the same player. Are you ready? Exile one of those creatures and then put two plus one, plus one counters on the other. So at first you're like, oh, this sucks. You have to put plus one, plus one counters on the guy. No, for one in the black, you can exile a creature in yep. black. And is that much worse than Path to Exile, which gives them a land? Yeah. Like, you just have to buff one of their other creatures. Yeah. A lot of times you can find a spot where they've got a token, or they've just got a small guy, or they've got a utility creature they're never going to attack with anyway. Yep. You get rid of the big problem threat and buff up something that doesn't matter if it's buffed or not. I want to play this in my Marchesa deck because there occasionally may be a time where I need to target myself mm. with this. And put some plus and plus some counters on the guy. That actually seems like a really good idea because yeah. additional versatility, sometimes you can use it on yourself. Yep. Um, Beseech the Queen, one of my favorite... Uh, black um, sort of uh, tutors. And this is one of those sort of discriminatory cards we were talking about where it wants you to be playing like a lot of black, right? Yeah, because it's a black, black, black mana cost, but it also, you can also pay two colorless instead of black. So total CMC is actually six. So you could pay like four colorless and one black or two colorless and two black or just black, black, black. Um, But specifically, it's, it's, it doesn't punish you for paying more for it because you search your library for a card with converted mana cost less than or equal to the number of lands you control. So if you are playing six for this, then awesome. But if you have like 20 lands and you draw some in the late game, you can tutor anything that you want in your deck for just three mana. Pretty good. Pretty good. Pretty good. Pretty, pretty good. Pretty, pretty good. I don't know what the queen, who the queen is that we're beseeching here, but uh, it says those who hear her go mad with inspiration. Is it queen of the damned? Yeah, definitely. A little Anne Rice. <laughs> okay, so do we want to talk about our personal favorite? Yes. I want to build a Geth deck. I want to build a Geth hand disruption deck. It's going to be the... No one's going to like me. <laughs> I was I looking know, at right? you like, really? Yeah, uh, Geth Lord crap. of the Vault is a four black black. He's a legendary zombie creature. Uh, Vincent actually has a Geth deck. Yep. But he doesn't really cast him too often. Uh, for X in the black, you can put target artifact or creature cost card with converted mana cost X with an opponent's graveyard uh, from an opponent's graveyard onto the battlefield under your control tapped. Then that player puts the top X cards of his or her library into a graveyard. So they it, it's a mill effect on a black card, and also you can you know there's so many times when like by turn ten, everyone's soul ring or Thran dynamo is just in the garbo. And this is awesome because for one mana more, you get to just start grabbing everyone's you know sweet artifacts that were board wiped away five turns ago. So I really want to build a deck that also. I mean, this is so mean. It's like a discard. 
I want people to discard their hands and then drop like their gilded lotus into the graveyard. And I have a ton of ramps, so I just start stealing the sweetest artifacts. I grab their see sword. The crazy grin he's got in his face <laughs> as he's talking about this. It's making me really scared. It's it would be a very spiky black deck because as soon as you make one person start discarding cards in their hand, everyone's gonna look at you and be like, Really? Yeah, because they don't want to be next. They don't want to be next, yeah. <laughs> so Geth is my next uh, experiment. Oh yeah, I'm gonna maybe I'm gonna make Skithrix. So there. Oh my goodness, Skithrix. Josh going down the a truly dark path here. Craig would be proud of me. I'm not gonna necessarily gonna do this, but I just think Skithrix is a powerful commander. Yeah, Skithrix, the Blight Dragon, costs three and two black, so five CMC for a four four flying dragon with infect. As we know, Infect says this creature deals damage to creatures in the form of negative one, negative one counters, and to players in the form of poison counters. Take 10, you die. So if you got 10 poison, you're dead. You can pay a black Skithrix, gains haste. So that's just brutal because as soon as you got six mana, you can six just. Six mana, four, four out yep. of Manzonia. And pay two black, regenerate Skithrix. So hard Whoop. to get rid of. And so then if you buff them up and hit somebody, you can. Skithrix is the kind of general that you play on turn five. Hit somebody and then kill them on turn six. Yeah. Or play on turn six. You can probably play him like turn four yeah, in yeah. black just because you have so many. You can even play him out and enchant him on the same turn and give him haste and kill somebody out of nowhere. Pretty good. Yeah. Seems all right. He seems like also one of those great just like if you have ways of buffing him up, just like a hidden win condition in your hand if you're playing yeah. him on a black. So you can just suddenly boom. Yep. Boom. Like, sorry, dude. Sorry. Sorry, like, Craig. Hey, remember how I stole. Sorry, Craig. Remember how I stole your Thran Dynamo? Well, I'm going to use the cast Skitherix from my hand, <laughs> and it's over, buddy. Yeah, good night. Yep. Um, let's wrap things up here, guys. Read Mark Rosewater's articles. I'll say this over and over again. Like We are just attempting to really do a good job describing what the color wheel is about. Um, I think it's really fun to experiment with enemy and ally-colored pairings, figure out, like, oh, man, this deck is so just not where I want it to be as a two-color deck. Like, well, maybe you need to add a third color. And what is that third color going to be? Maybe it's black. It should be black. Or maybe it's... Because you already have blue in there, I'm assuming. And red. So you're playing more chasing. Dang it. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, I said this before, but every color is a key ingredient to a dish. So figure out what combo of cards... You so know, what kind of chef do you want to be? Yeah. <laughs> a killer chef. Um. Pretty much it's it. I like black. Black's one of my favorite colors. Uh, it does a little bit of everything, and I love the flavor. I need to play it more. I mean, I have black in some decks, but I think I need to explore it a little more. As we were doing this, I was realizing, man, black can do a lot of stuff. Yeah. Skitherix, baby. Woo! All right, time for the end step where we talk about something cool outside the world of magic. This is a co-end step. We both... We have a question that we need to pose to the audience. Yeah. Okay, so Jimmy and I... We're trying to come up with a fitness competition between the two of us. Now, there's an issue. <laughs> the issue is that I want to lose weight because I'm really fat. Jimmy doesn't want to because he's super skinny. He wants to bulk up a little bit. Yep. So we want to know if anybody's got a way out there that we could have some sort of a bet or a competition. In fact, we'll do it on air. Yep. Probably follow along with it on air. Maybe there'll be some sort of prize at the end of it. Yeah, we'll add a new end step called the gains, whether we have positive gains or not. Or yeah, or maybe there's some way to keep track of it or whatever, but we don't know how to set up the competition in a way that makes it fair yeah, so that both of us have to weighted. go to the gym every day. But, you know, it can't be Jimmy losing weight because he doesn't have a pound to lose. And it definitely can't be me gaining weight because uh, I'm already yeah. doing that. <laughs> so we need some way to set up this competition. We're hoping 
that one of our thousands of listeners knows a way. Please yeah. tweet it at us or you can email us at commandcast at rocketjump.com. Yeah. Uh, something then, specifically that we can also compete with each other and like do have something that we can say like, oh yeah, well you did this, well I did this and then not be like, oh you can't compare those two. But yeah, something. it needs to be something where like at the end of 10 or 12 weeks or something we can measure it and say, oh he won or yeah. he won. Yeah. So something that's fair, you know, I don't know what it is, um, but we've got a lot of you. We're asking the, the brain trust. Yeah, as long as it doesn't have me running a mile. Even I'm, one mile? Not even one, man. <laughs> I hate running. I'll run, but I hate but running. But not a mile. I mean, I used to do track and field and, and Well, and what did you... <laughs> I hate running, too. I'll play basketball. Oh, yeah. I'm so bad at that's, basketball. I'll that's get better running. at basketball. Yeah. yeah, that is running. Yeah. But you get to wait every now and then. Sometimes you can just chill. You know, you get four seconds. It, in the it key. fools me because I'm like, oh, I got to defend this guy, and then I got to dribble down there. Yeah. Like, I don't feel like I'm running, but I am. And you're playing a game, so yeah. Although if I played basketball tomorrow, I would follow her dead after five minutes. I remember the first time I did Krav Maga with Freddie and those guys back in when they were in college. They're like, yeah, come to one Krav Maga class with us, and I was like, sure. I like threw up. Almost died. Yeah, yeah I was like, <laughs> everything was going white within ten minutes, and the coach was like, what are you doing? I'm like, I can't. Can't throw bows right now, man. I'm dying. Uh, so figure out something. Uh, Help and, us out, guys. And as long as it doesn't involve us boxing each other or anything either, because I would most definitely just get destroyed. <laughs> I don't know. You just dance around for a minute and a half until I'm dead tired. Yeah. I'll play the ropes. Um, <laughs> right, moving on to the cleanup step. Our sister podcast for the show is the Masters of Modern. Alex Kessler and Ben Bateman talk about all things modern. They uh, had a really good episode, actually, where they brought on some uh, uh, Ruben Bressler and Josh Sutherland oh, to talk yeah, about Joshy. Hearthstone versus Magic and whether or not it's a competitor. And uh, Josh used to work at Blizzard as well, so they have some really great insight in that episode. So they got some great content. You can follow them at the MMCast on Twitter or at rocketjump.com slash the MMCast. Our ed- editor is Eli Cuevas, and special thanks to Jeffrey Palmer for the Living Card animations. You can find him at Living Cards MTG. Woo! All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you next time. Peace. Thank you for your attention. For further inquiries, send an email to commandcast at rocketjump.com or ask us on Twitter at JF Wong and at Josh Lee Kwai. See you later, alligator. Greetings, humans. <laughs> Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. It's just this overall sense of community, of the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. It's just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live.